Noble Experiment by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 15, the Mergendorf enter the village. Brock and Paris had just finished dinner and were discussing aspects of the Earth expedition with Gorf Gubston. They were in a large room with traditional Mergendorf oversized furniture. An interesting society, this Earth, said Dorf Gubston, pointing his index finger toward the other two dwarfs. The forward leap in technology is unprecedented in the galactic history I've studied. To say the least, Dorf Gubson, remarked Paris, this concept of freedom has promoted a multitude of side effects. For instance, their lust for wealth and power and their competitive instincts prompted a surge in industrial output. A snowballing effect, interjected Grark. They excessively cried out for more. True, Commander said Paris. Once humans were locked into this idea called progress, they became dependent upon it for survival. Dorf Gubson seemed confused and slightly buzzed his lips. Hmm. Hmm. Are you upset, Dorf Gubson? asked Grark. Oh, no, no. I would think there would be better ways to use this technology instead of in warlike competition, like redirecting the best aspects of this technology to their society. This would be the minimum standard. Or maintain a simple and pure life, said Grok. Of course, Commander, but societies are not changed overnight. The first step has to be taken, argued the older dwarf. Idyllic for Earth people, said Grok. They want too much. Commander, called one of Grok's security dwarfs as he ran up to him. He bent over and whispered in the commander's ear. Commander, Commander, Brady has escaped with Dorf Antovian. No. Commander, what is wrong? asked Dorf Gubson. A minor problem aboard my vessel, said Grok. Surely a minor problem can wait, Commander, Paris complained, putting his hands on his hips. No, it can't, insisted Grok as he turned and began walking toward the doorway. Paris, please come with me. He ordered as he stomped from the room. Excuse me, Dorf Gubson. Paris excused himself and ran from the room, still not understanding Grok's impulsive behavior. Commander, he said as he caught up to Grok, why were you so rude to Dorf Gubson? Brady has been taken from the vessel by Antovian, Grok told him. They ran down the station corridor to the main vessel. I find that highly unlikely, Commander, said Paris. Antovian is a trusted officer. Like it or not, Paris, they boarded a tram some time ago. Assemble five security dwarfs in the excursion vessel. Have them put their flutons on minimum setting. Minimum setting? Brady's act warrants death, Commander. Grok stopped and turned to his second-in-command, his eyes surging with anger. This is my problem, Paris, he said, seemingly obsessed by all that he had done. I will solve it in my own way. They had moved into the cone tunnels, and the two dwarfs, Javik and Methib, stood next to a wall of blinking lights. Good luck, my friends, said Javik. May you both be successful. Methib pushed the appropriate buttons, and the cones became bright white. Their bodies seemed to become distorted, flowing like a liquid toward the apex of the cone and toward the planet. 
They merely felt weightless within the brightness as the beams moved into space, indiscernible to any onlooker. Both beams hit the surface of the planet minutes later. The targeting had been imprecise, landing them some distance apart. Brady appeared on a dirt surface in the middle of the village. This human, with his Dorfian features, gazed at the most overwhelming sight of his entire life, the surface of another world. This world had similarities to Earth, but the sky was bright aqua, filled with bright puffy clouds, even more distinct than the most intricate cumulus clouds on a bright summer's day. The two suns shined dimly on both horizons, producing an eerie yellow-red twilight, even though it was only midday in the northern latitudes. The foliage was light blue, varying sometimes into a navy blue on the smaller bushes. The leaves looked earth-like in shape, although not similar to any variety that Brady knew. Combined with the heightened brown soil, he felt as if he were inside an old cartoon. Nor was this village life unlike some of the unbelievable characters in a cartoon. Spider creatures with brightly colored feathers pulled carts of fresh produce. Small gopher beings, apparently domesticated like a dog, had a single pogo stick leg and hopped through the crowds. The dwarfs, unaware that Brady was an alien among them, passed by him, going about their normal business. He looked like one of them and was dressed in similar, simple clothing. No mechanization and no excess. Brady's initial impressions were quickly overshadowed by the fact that he had landed alone. He scanned the village, but there was no sign of his Dorfian friend. And there was no way he could function in this strange world without Antovian. It was just too different, too fundamental, and too simple. Feeling panicky, he darted to his left and into the street. He grabbed the first dwarf that he saw on the far side of the road and spoke like a man afraid for his life. You, where am I? Where am I? He said, gripping him tightly. Are you ill? Asked the villager, not accustomed to such outward expression of emotion. I'm lost. Look, pal, I was with a friend. We were all separated. You look frightened said the dwarf as he put his hand on Brady's shoulder. I am, now where the hell am I? Hell? asked the dwarf as his lips buzzed. Perhaps he had never heard the word. You are in Wawi, of course. Wawi, Wawi, right. Now where is he? asked Brady, tapping the dwarf's shoulder and running down the busy street. His actions created quite a ruckus as the dwarfs all turned and stared at him as he passed by. All the while, he looked down the narrow streets for Antovian. Brock and his dwarfs were preparing to dock an excursion vessel from the larger ship simultaneously with the tram. Wasting no time, Grok led them inside the tram, surprising the unsuspecting Javik and Method. Where are they? shouted Grok, drawing his fluton and setting it on maximum. I don't understand you, my friend, said Javik. We are on a routine inspection of the tram bed, said his cohort. I know why you're here. You sent them to the surface, he accused them as his eyes grew berserk with anger. You have invited the death penalty for me. Commander, you are under some kind of misapprehension, said Javik. We don't know what you are speaking about. Commander, said one of the security dwarfs as he came from the other room, a hidden transportation cone. Oh, you know nothing, do you? Grok raised his fluton, and Paris lunged toward him. 
His second in command was not quick enough. In an instant, the two dwarfs were wiped from view. Terrace, stunned by such blatant behavior, grabbed his commander by the shoulders. Grok, you just killed those two dwarfs! Grok, determined and unmoved, looked away from his second in command and toward another security dwarf who was walking through the doorway. Commander, he said, his arms draped with villagers' clothes. The whole room is filled with clothes. Aha! cried Grok as he rushed over and picked up the clothes. But what are they up to? Harris was at the wall console. My apologies, Commander, I see now. But I cannot tell you what they're up to, but I can tell you where. Where, Paris? We must know, asked Grack. Northern Latitudes, he said as he checked his handheld computer. The point corresponds to the village of Wawi in the Wabi Hills. Good, good, said Grock as he turned to the security doors. Everyone change into native clothing. Commander, said Paris as he walked up to him. You aren't going down to the surface, are you? I am, Paris. And so are you and the three security dwarfs, answered Grok. If you step on the planet, you're a dead dwarf. The elders do not allow perimeter people on the surface. I understand that, Paris, said Grok, slipping on the green top. I have already interfered with the actual flow of history on Neuralon. I have used our memory processor on the human, and I've killed another with it, and taken another human into space. Now that human is on Mergendorf. That is sacrilege. In other words, Paris, it doesn't make much difference what I do right now. If I can get Brady back here, I will have salvaged all our lives, he said as he turned to one of the security dwarfs. Crossum, you will stay here and operate the controls. We'll send a communication signal to you to bring us back. Is that clear? Yes, Commander. I suggest that we use one cone separately, Commander, said Paris. My computer shows a five-mile dispersion. Very well, let us hurry. The sooner we get that human back, the sooner we'll be in the clear. On the planet's surface, Brady was positive Antovian had been killed on the journey. It was his belief that he would be destined to stay on this foreign planet for the rest of his life. In complete fear, he began stopping everyone now, and the fundamentalist dwarfs were becoming suspicious. I've been down here from the perimeter. Are you people stupid? Perimeter, perimeter, what is perimeter? Asked the female dwarf with a young child. Up, up there, Brady said, pointing to the sky. A crowd of dwarfs had gathered around him and began to snicker at his words. I see nothing but the sky and the sun, said the e-dwarf's mate. My friend, Antovian, we came down together, insisted Brady, looking for Antovian as he spoke. And your friend disappeared, asked another. Gone back to your perimeter? Brady's mind snapped. Look, you race of fools. I'm a human being. I'm here, he said, stopping and realizing what he had just said. You are a what? asked the Edorf. Nothing, nothing. In the process of turning, his journal, which he had tucked in one of the inner pouches, fell to the ground, revealing the strange writing to the villagers across the pages of the book. This is not village writing? said one of the dwarfs as he bent over to pick up the journal. Brady sprang forward and scooped it into the inner pouch under his jersey. He stepped back as they became fearful of his presence. The revered ones must be told of this dwarf, said the e-dwarf. He talks excessively. He is a freeholder, said the e-dwarf's mate. As the crowd buzzed with indignation, Brady's stomach became tense. 
But soon his fears were quelled when he heard his friend's voice telepathically. Brady, I am here, running by the spreading tree. Brady turned as if he had actually heard the voice verbally. To his right, Antovian was advancing in the crowd. I shall take him away, shouted Antovian as he pushed his way forward. I am taking him to the revered ones. Antovian reached the center of the circle, still concentrating on Brady's thoughts. Antovian, where have you been? My friend, I think you need my assistance. No kidding, these people are ready to drag me out of here. Antovian led Brady through the crowd, as if the human were a little lost child, and they trekked down the main road. When they had the chance, they ducked into one of the alleyways between the blue thatch buildings, and Tovian led him to the light blue hills that overlooked the village. When they reached the edge of the forest, Antovian waited for the fatigued Brady to reach him. I'm not used to this added weight, said Brady, panting. I dare say they did not understand you back at the village. Yeah, they thought I was nuts, but I was scared, Antovian, confessed Brady. To them, you do not appear to be insane. They have absolutely no knowledge of space or primitive people. You could say that we have just contaminated the planet. With knowledge, I mean. I don't mean the fact that you're an alien. I understand, my friend, said Brady. I trust you. Antovian pressed his lips together. I have tried to be worthy of your trust, but... He said as he noticed Brady was peering back at the village. Brady, you're not listening. Oh, he said looking back. I was wondering why they called me that word. What word? Freeholder. Yes, that is part of what I have not told you. Let us go to the encampment and I will explain the rest. Encampment? The encampment of freeholders. Ah, the million dollar word. What's going on down there? He asked, waving his arms toward the village. You are using me. Yes, I am a Renegan agent. What? What about Ball Rain and all the other things you told me? I will get you the Ball Rain and keep my commitment to the Freeholders. You see, this place is at war amongst itself, and the Freeholders' success is your success. I don't understand. Soon, all the Freeholders will mass together and move toward Ball Rain. And if we find Ball Rain, you don't even know where Ball Rain is? Brady asked incredulously. I will explain more. We must go. There may well be villages in the hills. Antovian scurried up the side of the hill, followed by the dependent Brady. Brady was not altogether surprised by what his Dorfian friend had told him. Despite the deception, Brady knew Antovian was his only key to finding the elusive Ball Rain. Antovian reached the top of the hill and once again waited for Brady's trek up the final few yards. All right, Antovian, just what is your planet fighting? And what else haven't you told me? That is it, my friend. I feared you would not believe me and I need you to find the exact location of Ball Rain. You said a herring would be possible. A gamble. My contacts have arranged it, you see. Meetings with the revered ones are few and far between. Unless you break the law. The revered ones can send those who qualify directly to Ball Rain. The only problem is the route. That is what we will find with our instruments. I understand that, but why would you team up with the Renegans? They were trying to take over Earth. I saw it in my blackout. No, no, that's not the way it happened. The Renegans were trying to contact Earth. They want to share their knowledge with the lower cultures. 
eliminate disease, hunger, enrich living, and save the ultimate destruction. They are not enemies. The elders of all reign are the enemies of freedom and self-determination. And the freeholders? He asked as he looked into Antovian's black eyes. They have to hide all over the planet. Communications are primitive and the attacks from villagers are frequent. Do you have weapons? Only spears and bows. This is confusing. Why don't the Renegans just try and get through to Earth? It is not that simple. Renegan is on the far side of the galaxy. They have other worlds to contend with. Earth is one of thousands of planets. The only way to get to Earth is to go to Valrain. If it means tricking the revered ones, then so be it, said the telepath as he paused and put his hands on his head as he concentrated. Villagers, they are approaching. Villagers, exclaimed Brady as Antovian helped him to his feet. Yes, yes, already on the slopes. We have to leave the trail and travel through the woods. They ran from the ledge into the thick of the forest. Minutes later, they were out of sight, and the patrol of villages, numbering close to 20 dwarfs, stomped on the granite. Armed with long-pointed spears, clubs, and longbows, they assembled in front of their leader. We know the freeholders came this way said the leader. We must defend the law. Tilson, bring your dwarfs around the side of the ridge. We will go straight up through the woods and rendezvous with you on the other side. Are you taking prisoners to the revered ones? We have no time. Kill them and burn the bodies. Join us next week as a noble experiment by Robert P. Fitton continues. This has been a production of Fitton Theater of the Words.